you want to open up to Mark chapter 3, that's where we'll get started this morning. Mark, the third chapter. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Great to see so many people out on a very cold and wet Sunday. But there's no better place to be than than the house of God with the people of God worshiping God. And I'm excited to be here with you all today. We'll get started in Mark, the third chapter, in a few moments. Thirty silver coins scatter the solemn sanctuary as your heart sinks within your chest. You are overcome with emotion, you are filled with guilt, and you are full of grief because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the great I am, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the most wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ is about to be led to a bloody hill, risen on a cross, and he's about to pour out his blood for the sins of the world. And all of this is going to happen because of you. Jesus Christ, the precious, holy, and spotless Lamb of God, is about to be killed all because of you. And so in your grief, you leave the temple, you find a rope, One end is tied to a tree. The other end is around your neck. And in just a few moments, you'll fall headlong. You'll burst open in the middle. And all of your bowels will be poured out all over the streets of Jerusalem. These are the final moments of Judas Iscariot's life. Can you imagine what was going through his head in this moment? Can you imagine what he was thinking? Can you feel the guilt? Can you feel the pain? Can you feel the horror? Can you feel the sadness of that moment? So this morning we ask ourselves, how? How in the world could could a man who walked with God for three whole years, how in the world could a man who was so close, so intimate, and so dear to the Lord betray him in his darkest hour? How could a man who was so close to the Lord end his life in such a sad and horrific way? It all began in Mark chapter 3 when he was chosen by the Lord. In Mark chapter 3, the Bible says in verse number 13, And when Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Verse 15, he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonagoras, that is, sons of thunder. Verse 18, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Here in this passage we learn that Jesus selects 
12 men, 12 men who he would be with, 12 men who he had a desire to walk with, to talk with, 12 men who he would teach, 12 men who he would appoint as apostles, messengers of God, ambassadors of God. These 12 men would be his most intimate and familiar friends. And so again, we ask ourselves the question, How in the world could a man who is chosen by the Lord, how in the world could a man who heard the teaching, he heard the parables, he saw the miracles, he was with Jesus, he was chosen by the Lord, how in the world could a man who is chosen by the Lord end his life in such a sad, horrific, and awful way? Judas's life ended in this way because he was conflicted by the world. He was a man who was chosen by the Lord that was conflicted by the world. He was torn. He stood between a rock and a hard place. He lived his life limping between two different opinions. Do I serve the Lord or do I serve the world? Do I submit to Christ or do I submit to self? Do I worship God or do I worship the devil? He was conflicted conflicted by the world. When he wanted to do right, when he wanted to do the right thing, evil lied close at hand. He had an angel and the devil on his shoulder. Someone may say, Tim, Judas never wanted to do right. He never wanted to do the right thing. He was born a horrible and awful, ungodly person. He was born Judas the betrayer. He was born a, a wicked thief, a wicked liar. False. That's wrong. Judas wasn't born an awful person. And I know that because when Luke lists the 12 apostles in Luke chapter 6 and verse 16, he names Judas as Judas, the one who became, the one who became the betrayer. That word became connotes the idea that Judas was not always the betrayer. He grew into the betrayer. He turned into one who would betray Christ. And he grew into the one who would betray Christ because he was conflicted by the world. He was torn. It often seems like he was on board with the Lord, but his heart wasn't right with God. He had this internal conflict going on in his head for most of his life. We see this internal conflict in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus has spent a great deal of time teaching and preaching to the crowds. He's telling the crowds that, that He is the bread of life, and those who wish to have eternal life must feast on Him. And as Jesus says these words, many of the people in the crowd say, This is a hard saying. This is crazy, Jesus. This is a hard saying. Who can listen? And the text says, as he says these words, many of the people turned away and followed him no more. And then Jesus addresses his twelve. He addresses the twelve, Judas included, and he says, will you turn away too? Peter, as he often does, speaks up and says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We have come to believe, and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Two observations from this passage. The first is, Jesus preaches to the crowd. Many of them turn away and follow Him no more. But it was the twelve apostles, Judas included, who stood by the Savior's side. Second observation is, Peter speaks up and listen how he uses the word we. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. 
we have come to believe, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And in verse 71 of John chapter 6, the text says that Jesus responded to them. The point is, the statement made by Peter was also a statement made by Judas. Peter spoke up on behalf of all of the apostles, and Jesus recognized it because he responded to them. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, In this moment in John chapter 6, Judas stayed by the Lord's side and he professed his belief in Christ. But yet, but yet, his heart was not right with God. He was torn. He was standing by a rock in a hard place. He was conflicted by the world. And Jesus could read his heart. Jesus could tell that he was not all in. John chapter 6, starting in verse number 71 We'll start in verse uh, 70, excuse me. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. In this moment, in John chapter 6, it seemed like Judas was on board. Judas recognized that true followers of Christ stand by the Lord's side. Judas recognized that true followers of Christ say, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe that you are the Holy One of God. In this moment, Judas knew all of the right things to do. He knew how to appear holy, righteous, and blameless in the sight of God. But Christ knew his heart. Christ could recognize that he was not all in. Christ could recognize that he was conflicted by the world. He had this internal struggle going on in his head for most of his life. We see this again in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, just days before Jesus is about to be killed, Mary is washing his feet with this expensive ointment. And the fragrance is filling the room that that she, Jesus, and the 12 apostles are in. And then Judas speaks up and says, Hey, Lord, Lord, why are we wasting this ointment? Couldn't we have sold this ointment and used the proceeds and and, and give it to the poor? Judas recognized that that was the right thing to do. He recognized that that was the right thing to say. He recognized that true followers of God care about the poor. He knew that true followers of God love the poor. He appeared to be righteous. He knew that was the right thing to do. But again, he was conflicted. His heart was not right with the Lord. And we see his heart was not right with the Lord because the Bible tells us he didn't ask that question because he cared about the poor, but he asked that question because he was a thief and he held the money bag, and he used to pilfer what was put into it. He was conflicted by the world. He knew the right thing to do, but his heart wasn't wholly committed and devoted to the Lord. And so his life was a very sad and awful story. Judas was a man who was chosen by the Lord, he was conflicted by the world, and he was captured by Satan. He was ultimately captured by Satan. The Bible tells us time and time and time again that we can get get uh, to a point in our lives where our hearts and our minds and and our being have become so callous and so hard and, and so seared that we can engage in sin and could not care less about sinning. When that happens, our conscience 
Our hearts and our minds have been seared like a hot iron, as the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. And when this happens, when our conscience is seared, Satan has captured us. He has us exactly where he wants us. This is what happened to Judas. Judas got to a point in his life where he could not care less about sinning against the Lord. It didn't matter to him. He was was set to do evil. He was set to do evil because Satan had captured him. Satan had him exactly where he wanted. And so in John chapter 3, excuse me, John chapter 13, as Jesus and and his 12 are, are enjoying their last meal together, if you want to call it enjoying, while they're together eating this last supper in the upper room, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And as these words roll off of their Savior's tongue, all 12 apostles are stunned. They're shocked. Their jaws drop. They're looking back and forth at each other. They're looking back and forth at Jesus. They're saying, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Judas, even. Is it I, Lord? Knowing that it's him. They're all saying, is it I, Lord? And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is sitting very, very close to the Lord. He's laying up against Jesus' chest. And Peter motions to John, hey, John, ask him who it is. Ask him who is it that's going to betray us. And so John whispers in the Lord's ear, who is it who's going to betray us? And Jesus said, it's the one who I give this morsel of bread to after I've dipped it in the basin. And so Jesus dips the morsel of bread into the basin and he hands it to the betrayer. He hands it to Judas. And the text says in John chapter 13 and verse 27, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said, what you are going to do, do quickly. After Judas accepted the morsel of bread, the passage says that Satan entered into him. He was captured by Satan. It was over. The the, the deed had been done. The the die had been cast. Judas was set to do evil. What he was going to do, he was going to do. He was about to betray the Lord. And so Jesus says, do it quickly. Judas quickly leaves the upper room. He finds the Jewish religious leaders. He tells them exactly where Jesus and the twelve will be. They hand him the 30 pieces of silver, the blood money, the, the, the money for the, for the head of Jesus. They hand him the money, and Jesus, Judas leaves. And so we make our way into Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, just after Judas has received those 30 pieces of silver, we find our Lord in the garden all alone. His soul is sorrowful even unto the point of death. He's he's distressed. He's embittered. He's he's sorrowful. He's praying so fervently to his Lord that, that blood, sweat, and tears are pouring from his face. Lord, please, please, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let it happen. Let this cup pass for me, please. But it's not my will, it's your will. Praying so fervently. And then it happens. In comes his betrayer. In comes his friend. 
In comes the man he's walked with. In comes the man he's talked with. In, becomes, in comes the man who he, has, who he has directed and who he has guided and who he has loved. In comes Judas Iscariot with the Roman cohort. It's, it's a legion of soldiers. They have weapons. They have torches. They have lanterns. They have clubs. And Judas approaches the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and he kisses him. He kisses him on the face. And then the Roman cohort carries Jesus away. And he's questioned, he's interrogated, he's mocked, he's beaten, he's laughed at, he's slapped, he's mocked, he's spit at, and he's sentenced to death. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, in verse number 1, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Filled with grief, filled with sorrow, filled with pain, and filled with guilt, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. What a sad, awful, miserable, horrible story. Judas was a man who walked with the Lord himself for three whole years. He was so close to the Lord, but he was so far away. Today is December the 9th, 2018, and we are living in a world full of people who, just like Judas, are so close to the Lord, but yet so far away. People who grew up in the church People whose parents were Christians. People whose parents made sure they were in this church every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday night, whenever the doors were open. People who went to Christian schools. People who married Christians, raised their children to be Christian. People who come here with a nice suit and tie on, with a nice dress and heels on, with a smile on their face, every Sunday morning, singing hymns, reading Scripture, listening to sermons, partaking of the Lord's Supper. People who are so close to the Lord so far away. And they're so far away because their hearts are not right. They're presently with the Lord, but their hearts are miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from the Lord. They don't know if this is worth it. They don't know if it's worth being a Christian. They're tired of this. They're fed up with all this, this, this worship business, this praise the Lord business. They're just going through the motions. They're just doing these things because this is what they've always done. But their hearts are not right with the Lord. They're so close to God. They're here physically, but their hearts are so far away from the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is the way that we are living, our lives are sad and awful. And in the end, when we die, when they're putting us six feet in the ground... No one's going to be rejoicing over our lives 
they're going to be telling a sad and awful story. And as the hymnist says, when the roll is called up yonder, you won't be there. You won't be there. Because the Lord looked at you and he saw a sad and awful person because you were not totally and wholly devoted and committed to him. And that's the life of Judas. Judas lived a very sad and awful life because he was not totally, wholly, and fully committed to the Lord. And so we ask ourselves, how do we keep ourselves from living sad, awful, and miserable lives? The first thing we must do is rejoice in who we are. We have to rejoice in who we are. Judas was an apostle. He was a disciple of the Lord. He was a teacher. He was a preacher. He was a miracle worker. He had all these spiritual blessings. He had, he had it made. He walked with the Lord. This is who he was. But, but that didn't satisfy him. He wasn't thankful for who he was. He wasn't satisfied with who he was. He didn't rejoice in who he was. Friends, we must rejoice in who we are. Because who we are gives us reason to rejoice. In 1 Peter chapter 2, as the Apostle Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering, Peter gives them words of encouragement by reminding them who they are. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse number 4, Peter tells these suffering Christians, as you come to Him, the Lord, you are a living stone who is rejected by men. But in the sight of God, you are what? Chosen and precious. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Verse 7, so the honor, so the honor, the honor is for you who believe. We are chosen, we are precious, we are living stones, we are a spiritual house, and we are an honored people. We are an honored people who have access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus. And that is special. That's special. That's something to rejoice about. The Bible says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and and verse number uh, 9, Peter continues to say, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, that you may proclaim, that you may tell about, that you may rejoice in the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. His marvelous light that leads us, that guides us, that protects us, that comforts us, and that should satisfy us. This is who we are, and for this reason, we should rejoice. If we want to keep our lives from being a sad story, we must rejoice in who we are. But not only that, we must reject the devil, resist the devil. James says in James chapter 4 and verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Judas was not willing to resist the devil. He lived his life limping between two opinions. He had an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and and he didn't know which decision to make. And for this reason, his life was a sad, awful, and miserable life. Oh, if he had only looked to the example of Jesus... 
The example of Jesus who he walked with, who he talked with, and who he lived with for three whole years. If you had just looked to Jesus... In Matthew chapter 4, uh, just after that spirit leads, leads the Lord into the wilderness, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry, and Satan comes and tries to tempt him. He tempts him three times. The first time, turn these, these stones into bread. Jesus responds, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Second time, Satan says, hey, Jesus, Throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple and allow the angels to lift you up. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Third time, Satan comes to him. Hey, fall on your face and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus says, be gone. Be gone, Satan. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Be gone. Get away from me. Jesus resisted the devil. Oh, oh, if Judas had have only looked to the example of the man who he walked with for three whole years. When Satan comes to us, when Satan gets in our head and he tries to tempt us and he tries to get us off track, when he feeds us with lies, look to Jesus. Look to the example of Jesus. Resist the devil and we resist the devil with the word of God. Satan comes to us And he tells us that that we should be consumed and caught up and carried away with all the things of this world, all of the pleasures of this world. Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, my kingdom is not of this world. Satan tries to get us to be carried away by the world. Jesus says my kingdom is not of this world. Resist the devil and submit to God. Satan says, uh, you should never deny yourself anything. Um, feel free to, to satisfy all of your will, all of your fleshly desires, all of your wants. Jesus says, Jesus says the opposite. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Satan says, don't deny yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. Who will you choose? Who will you choose? Resist the devil. Satan tells us when we sin, when we make mistakes, when we mess up, we're, we're, we're doomed for hell. We're lost. There's nothing at all that we can do. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. Whoever dies, though he die physically, he will live. He will live. Satan says there's no hope. Jesus says there is hope. Who will we listen to? Judas listened to Satan. He didn't resist the devil. Satan told him, you betrayed the Lord. You killed Jesus. There's nothing you can do. Kill yourself. And that's what Judas did. He killed himself, and his life was a sad and awful story. But we have hope through Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And though we die through Christ, we will live. When Satan gets in our head, when he gets in our head and he tries to tempt us, and when he tries to throw us off track, don't listen to him. Because he is a liar and he is the father of lies, John chapter 8 and verse 44. And his sole mission, John 10 verse 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will do any and everything to make that happen. When he gets in our head, we must take that thought captive and obey Christ. Take that thought captive and look and see what the word of God has to say. That's exactly what Jesus did. When Satan came to him those three times in Matthew chapter 4, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He took that thought captive and he obeyed the Lord. 
That's exactly what we need to do. Resist the devil. How do we keep our lives from being a sad and awful story? We must rejoice in who we are, resist the devil, and choose the Lord. We have to choose the Lord. Judas did not choose the Lord. And for that reason, he was the son of destruction who was lost. I think of what Joshua said to the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua chapter 24, just after Joshua has led the children of Israel into the promised land, just after he has divided the land among the nations, and just before he is about to die, he has a few words for them. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If it seems evil to you in the sight of the Lord, if it's such a hard, awful, and miserable thing for you to serve the Lord, then don't do it. Don't do it. Choose the world. Choose Satan. If it's so hard to serve God, then don't serve God. But don't stand limping between two opinions. You have to choose one or the other. You're going to either choose God the Father who created the heavens and the earth, or you're going to choose all of these worthless idols. But choose one. But if you're going to call yourself an Israelite, if you're going to call yourself people of God, then you must serve the Lord. If you're going to receive and rejoice in all of these spiritual blessings, then you must serve the Lord. You can't have it both ways. That's what he's saying to these people. And that's the lesson for us. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to call ourselves children of God, if we're going to come here every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday night, then we're going to have to serve the Lord. We can't stand living between two opinions because friendship with the world, as James says in James chapter 4 and verse 4, is enmity with God. We cannot serve two masters. We'll either love one and hate the other or we'll be devoted to one and despise the other, but we cannot serve God in this world. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. We must ask ourselves, who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please men or are we trying to please God? If we're still trying to please men, then we cannot call ourselves servants of God. Galatians chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 10. That's the admonition this morning. Who are we going to serve? Judas was, had an internal battle in his head for most of his life, trying to, to decide who he was going to serve. Do I submit to God, or do I submit to myself? Do I serve the Lord, or do I serve the devil? Do I, do, I, do, I, do I try to please God? Do I try to glorify God, or do I try to please myself? And we see how awful, miserable, and sad his life was. We must choose the Lord. Rejoice in who we are, resist the devil, and choose the Lord. And on the final day, when the, when, the, when the Lord descends from heaven with a cry of command, when the archangel shouts, when the dead in Christ rise first, 
if we're still here, if we're still here when the Lord returns, we too will be glorified. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have blessed us with to come here and, and worship you and serve you and glorify you. We thank you for being such a gracious God. We thank you for providing your word, which gives us examples of people in scripture like Judas who are so close to you physically, but yet so far away. We pray that we will look at his life and and learn from his mistakes so that we will not make them in our lives. We pray that we will be people who are fully committed to you. We pray that we will be people who are glad to serve you. And we pray that we will be people who rejoice in all of the blessings and privileges that come from being your children. We thank you so much for Jesus and his life and his sacrifice and his resurrection and what that means for us. And we ask all of these things in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian and you know that Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God, you know that he is truly the King of Kings, you know that he died, he was buried, and he rose, but you haven't responded to that, then your life is just like Judas's. It's sad. But it doesn't have to be sad. You don't have to remain in that, in that state. Because Christ rose, there's some good news. The good news is that we can be God's children. And we are God's children when we believe, when we repent and turn away from our sins, when we confess the sweetest name that has ever rolled from mortal tongue, the name of Jesus Christ, and when we are connected with his blood through baptism, we will rise forth, walking in newness of life, and on the final day, we will be glorified with the Lord. That can be your life. That can be your life. Make that decision today. If you've done that in time past, but you've fallen away, you've made mistakes, and you would like to make things right today, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.